0: Everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here in Dining Room Studios with return guest Bobcat Goldthwaite.
1: Hello. Well, hello. How about giving it up for the band first? I know. They don't ever they...
0: give
1: it. Any... There you go. they all... They don't get their due. No, they don't. They don't get, or any other fine beverages that is loaded with sugar.
0: (laughs) But you know what? They don't do it for the acclaim. No. They they, do it for the passion. And
1: they love the music. Exactly. And playing in a nook.
0: (laughs) Right. I have them in a tiny band nook. Um, So, a lot has changed since I last saw you. For one, you're on Twitter. You were yeah. pretty anti Twitter before. Yeah,
1: yeah, Grandpa's on Twitter, but only because I'm 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 out promoting my uh, my fine um, new motion picture.
0: But I I think I, you were on Twitter before. Yes, yeah,
1: but it's just I realized that there was comedians that I would kind of be peers, and there's more people coming to their shows, and I thought, well, you should probably get on social media. That's mm. that's probably the big difference.
0: And how's your experience with it been so far? Because if I remember correctly, I think your concern was: well, you didn't you feel like being connected all the time is actually actually doing bad things for society?
1: I think so, but I also know myself, you know, and it's like if if you you know when you can't find someone to say something lousy about you you know the internet was always there and i could ego <laughs> surf and then oh yeah they think i'm worthless too but i didn't you know mute is the greatest thing ever i it's mean it's so I, wonderful it's right? so wonderful it's so because the opposite of love isn't hate. you know it's that someone it's doesn't exist it's <laughs> mute yeah yeah i i i love the mute um there's some guy on on um a big brother who I guess sounds like the persona that I did in the eighties. And, um, and it's fine if you want to use me as a punchline, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that's been in pop culture for years, but, but I don't know the need for people to tag me when they're making a joke. I don't, that is, uh, and i never bite. And then finally one day I just said, Hey, uh, stop tagging me on this crap. You know, how about, um, how about instead of watching reality shows you uh call a friend or rent an indie movie i wanted to get a little promotion in there but yeah you know <laughs> and, and then you know and then the, this onslaught of you know oh you're a husband you wish you were on reality shows it's like do i do i really you know i i, I trust me I, i've been offered every single one of them
0: were you tempted by any of the offers
1: uh Celebra cadabra? It's not what you think. It was about celebrities I don't, I'm not doing even magic. Anything. It, what? It I mean was... I
0: didn't even I didn't even have
1: You're never aware of it?
0: Well, I was not aware of it. And when you said it's not what you think, I'm trying to think what you
1: What you would thought. Celebra Cadabra was
0: I w- thought it was. Give me a second to figure out what I might have thought it was. Celebra cadabra. I would have thought it's like a bunch of Celebrities in a house, and then magicians make them disappear or
1: something. Is that what you thought? I thought. I thought I was hoping you thought I said cadaver. Celebrity cadaver. It's celebrity morticians. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I uh, they beat the celebrities to the punch. I no I. I uh no, it was just competing celebrities uh doing magic, and That's I loved cool. magic as a kid. And my dad was a really bad magician. Uh, magician, not plural. He mm. wasn't. He, he traveled as the Tom Goldthwaite Brothers. No, but he <laughs> he was a horrible magician, and he got into this late in life. And he would build his own props. Mm-hmm. And there, well,
0: like what were some of his not good tricks?
1: He would build a guillotine in the basement, and it looked like Reverend Finster art, like naive art. It would say it would say terrifying. And, <laughs> and then um, there was a, a woman that I was uh, uh, with and, and he put her head in the guillotine and this bolt <laughs> fell out of the <laughs> thing. And I was like, yeah. So so uh, he, Tom Terrific was his name, uh, his magician name. Mm-hmm. It would have been great if that was his real name. Cause oh, then,
0: that would have been. He would have had to be in a punk band.
1: Tom but, Terrific. With that, or or a
0: cartoonist.
1: Or a cartoonist. Or, or the magician that he became. But... I had him open for me once, uh, and the crowd hated him. And then I came out and said, "This is my dad." You know? <laughs> and then, and then they liked him. And then he got drunk with power that they, you know, he goes, "I'm gonna do." I go, "You're gonna do one more trick. I got three more." You know, so, so yeah, he he was, a, uh, he hated performing for children because they could figure out the tricks. Mm-hmm. And then he he liked doing seniors because I think. Senior citizens just thought he had powers. I think they thought he was a wizard. You know?
0: <laughs> Are you like your dad in ways? Because I remember, well, I I feel like that's dishonest to say. I remember. I went back and listened to some of the interview that we had done before. Uh, and you described what your dad, some of the stunts that your dad did as like, and I thought it was so poetic. You said it was uh, suburban performance art fueled by Budweiser. Yeah, Or brought to you by Budweiser. Definitely,
1: yeah. And I guess it, it, some of it, influence like we talking about his magic act he had a a jack in the box that was you know like with the crank on it and then the bottom would fall out and then the the jack w- had a noose around his neck and he had a note that said i couldn't take the song anymore
0: oh that's that's cool
1: yeah i wish i had that that i i don't i think my sister's got that that's the only thing i want from my old man they can have his war medals but i i want the
0: the suicidal jack in the box But in terms of your aesthetic?
1: I guess, but my mother was super sarcastic, you know? Um, So I think it was a hybrid of the two of them. You know, my mother would be... You know, I'd be at mass sitting next to my mother or kneeling next to my mother. And she would say, that family's homely in a bag of assholes. (laughs) And I'd be, seriously, she'd whisper this in church. And I'd be (laughs) like, I'm so conflicted right now. So, um, yeah. So, I think it was uh, definitely a hybrid of the the two of them. Mm -hmm.
0: So, let's talk about Call Me Lucky. And I know you've kind of been making the rounds on podcasts. I've
1: done all that. And I'll try to be completely fresh if i can. <laughs> no, seriously. But, but well, I know that there's maybe just your fans who haven't heard the other stories, but I'll try yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's that what I'm thinking. Cheap.
0: Don't I say don't worry. Obviously, stuff you haven't said on other podcasts is great. That being said, I do think that not all of my audience will have heard every other interview. Right. So therefore I say let's just forge ahead. So call I'll me still lucky. I'll try to
1: keep it fresh. I'm going to try to say it in terms that I haven't before.
0: Perfect. Um I can't wait. I watched it today. <laughs> Really good and really intense and sad and thought-provoking. And I wasn't familiar with Barry Crimmins. Right. But he was a really big deal for you, right?
1: In in my life. I wish I could figure it out a way because often people see the movie and that's one of the first things they say to me. They go, I didn't know Barry. And, and, and um, there really isn't, you know, he gets really, <laughs> you know, when I was out trying to make the movie, you know, it's like. You know, it's it's about a comic that you've never heard of, and it's about child rape. You know, <laughs> so the studios were just lining up. But but you know, I said that at a Q and A, and he says, "Well, you know, Howard Zinn knows who I am, and Michelangelo knows who I am. you know." So so I was like, "Well, you know what? You know, Matt Damon and and Ben Affleck couldn't get the Howard Zinn movie going, so I you know that doesn't mean anything in Los Angeles <laughs> if I drop those names." But yeah, so he's a political satirist. And uh, for me, he was this guy when I was a teenager that let me go on stage and um, definitely mentored Tom Kenny and myself uh, and a lot of other comedians, you know, the folks that are in the movie like uh, like Stephen Wright and Paula Poundstone and myself and Kevin Meany and a whole bunch. And then there's other comedians that either worked with him like Marin or or Patton was really fascinating. Because he was really a student of Barry's, you know, he he just admired him and, and knew so much about him. It was funny I, when I was ego surfing and I and I was reading a a, a review that didn't like the movie, and they said, "It's clear Goldway got all of his famous friends together and made it, you know." And it's like, and my I was like, "Please, I know a lot more famous people if that's the, well, yeah. you know." All right, the the rat yeah. from Ratatouille—that's big stuff. But you know,
0: <laughs> the rest of them were like cast yeah. of
1: celebra Cadabra*. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, but that wasn't the case. You know, it's like, you know, Robin uh, Williams uh, was my friend and 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 had a lot to do with the movie getting made, and and he even suggested talking in the movie, and 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 I didn't want that because because although he was a fan of Barry's and and knew Barry's story. I, I just knew that, you know, Robin, I knew the kind of shape he was in and I also just didn't feel like exploiting him and putting him in this movie where he wasn't part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want, I just thought it would have been gratuitous. You know, I I didn't, so I actually really didn't encounter people that either Barry influenced, affected, worked with, or 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 actually had friendships with.
0: You said that Robin, and, uh had a lot to do with the movie getting made.
1: Yeah, because I to back up Barry's stories, and I, and this will be some of the stuff I've talked about in other podcasts. He a political satirist, really brilliant. You know, my favorite Barry joke was always, you know, people say, "If you don't love this country, why don't you leave it?" And he'd say, "Because I don't want to be victimized by its foreign policies." <laughs> so, uh, real sharp guy. Always had a lot of anger in him. Um, so my he he part of his story was you know one night in boston he disclosed on stage during a benefit about his rapes when he was four and 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 when he did that it was uh it 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 was the beginning of him kind of processing these these events and when he was looking for other survivors he found on AOL, which was really the only game in town when you plugged in your computer then, uh, that there was um, pedophiles exchanging child pornography in their chat rooms on AOL. So so he complained to the police, and in their defense, the police that are in the movie, they say, we didn't even have computers then in our offices. And he went to AOL, and AOL just turned a deaf ear because they were making money because uh, this is when you got charged for the it amount of time, time you were yeah. online. So, So Barry got all this evidence against AOL and ended up uh, being invited to a hearing on the floor of the Senate and basically embarrassed AOL about their policies in regards to pedophiles. And he wrote a story about it and it read like a Frank Capra movie, you know, this, this outsider taking on this big, um, company and, uh, and I just thought it was a great story. And, and I was like, uh, you know, hey, I want to make this as a narrative. I want to make a movie. I want to write a script. And, and When was that that
0: you that had That was in the
1: uh, mid-90s. And, uh, you know, here's a guy who just spent years <laughs> dealing with all this. I don't mean to laugh, but Barry and I laugh at this kind of stuff. So, You know, he's got all this stuff he's processing. And then he, uh, he was physically sick during this period even. And then very triumphant, but I don't think he was ready to relive it and write a screenplay about mm-hmm. it. And then he, when he finally did, he he said, "You know, I'm still mad at Goldway because he only read the first 311 pages." <laughs> so Barry's screenplay was a little bit longer than you. Know, and then I took a swipe at it. And I know that in my heart, you know, I I thought of Robin playing the part, and he and I discussed it a little bit. And then as years went by, it was quite obvious that that I was not going to get this narrative, you know, and I think I was thinking in terms of being able to make a, a, a little bit of a bigger movie than, than the size of movies I usually make. And um, so it was just 2014 in February, Robin said, you know, you should make it as a documentary. And I was like, well, I don't have any money, you know, and he says, I'll give you some money to start. So he didn't fund the movie, but he fund the initial filming of the movie. And, um, and, and other things transpired around that time where I thought Barry was capable i didn't want my friend to relive this stuff that's why i didn't initially want to do a documentary um but i heard him on uh dana gould's podcast and i heard him on wtf and i heard him talking in terms of i could see that he had as he says you know you go through a problem not around it and i could see that he had gone through it so i i thought he would be up for this challenge of discussing it um what i didn't see nor did he uh that the movie would be successful. (laughs) And so, you know, um, you know, doing press has been really hard on Barry, you know, it's like, you know, I, I only had 15, maybe minutes, maybe a half hour of discussing this, this, this saddest, hardest, events in his life probably and and then we go and 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 people like the movie and then he has to do press for 10 to 12 hours a day it's been really hard it's very hard on him how's he holding up he's you know the, the 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 pendulum is swinging back you know we did the initial press and now um there's you know one of the things is there's so many people reaching out to him and they're they're either asking for help or they're or they're telling him that his story has helped them a lot with their own um you know, people are disclosing for the first time with their own abuse, and 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 so he he's 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 very happy with that that result. But it's it's been a really strange strange ride, you know. It's not like you know I talk about Robin. The movie premiered at Sundance. Robin said this movie's going to Sundance. I was like, you know, don't get cocky. And then the movie premiered in the same theater that World's Greatest Dad premiered in, and, and um, and and you know, here's Barry watching this movie for the first time, and. And hadn't seen a frame of it, and there's you know, and and he got three standing ovations, and you know all this love coming at him. So it's been overwhelming. It's really strange because it's not the kind of movie you high five at the end, right? (laughs) You know, you you, yay, we did it. You (laughs) know, (laughs) I mean, it is an uplifting movie, but 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 at the same time, it 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 definitely leaves you with a whole bunch of feelings.
0: Speaking of feelings, it's about a year since
1: yeah yeah and that Robin that died. hit me too. It was like I was out to impress and i'm um and I got hit really hard and I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming i didn't i'm not one of these people that celebrates anniversaries of 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 people passing you know i've had family members you know leave and 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 um but his anniversary was right when I was doing the, the, a good chunk of the promotion and, and it really hit me hard, you know, it's really hard, you know, and it's very strange. It's like, you know, I, I you know, I spoke to Robin almost every day. We text all day. We, we you know, we, we really were best friends. So, so, and I never talked about it too much. I didn't talk about it at all when he died. I had no interest in that. I didn't care, you know, as I said to his kids, you know, um, something really horrible happened in the world and at the same time your your father passed away and those events have nothing in common, you know. And what I was saying to them is that, you know, you got to be allowed your chance to grieve and the world's grieving this other thing, you know. Mm, right. Um, because
0: he was also so public.
1: And he... he you know what he perpetuated out there. He made this connection that 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 I don't think he. There's no way he would have known. I didn't uh, understand it. You know, you know. I avoided most of it. You know, uh, it's weird. You know, I just the other day I was really down. I was flying out of an airport. I was really depressed. And these people come up and they're autographed people and they just hand me a stack of eight by tens and they're, they're photos of he and I together. And I, mm-hmm. I was just, and you can't ex- expect people to understand, <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, I don't think, I think they just thought, you know, well, this is a great photo. You, 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 you know, I don't think they knew that he and I were close or, or I don't know why they would do that, but you know, it's right. But, you know, I, um, yeah, it's been hard. It's been weird. It's really strange. You know, I don't, you know, you spend most of your life trying to not separate yourself from the rest of everybody else. You don't want to think you're better than people or less than people. You just want to be another bozo on the bus. And then you have a, an event like this happen that really does separate you in a weird way.
0: You know, I lost someone to suicide um, right when I graduated college. And That – I hadn't really put it together, but that's so much how I felt afterwards. I felt like I feel like I'm just like an isolated person orbiting the earth right now. I am so disconnected from the jokes people are making, from calmer – I mean, I remember going out to dinner with my family sometime after that, and I had to like get up and leave and just – what we were in like a strip mall and just walk around because I'm like, I can't take regular life right now the way everyone – the way – one person's life is just a blitz. Like it's affecting me so much and it's not affecting anyone else, nor should it because they didn't know this person. But I just can't. I can't yeah. pretend everything is normal because there's just been a huge rupture yeah. for me and I'm not okay. That's how I felt. Yeah.
1: And everything feels like it's in slow motion and and that you're watching life. Um, I have so many, you know, I, I said this at when I spoke at at his um his service and it was I I'd mentioned that that he really was the most generous person I ever met in my life and it wasn't just he was very generous with charity or he was always helping people he was paying people's medical bills and just always always helping people financially but he he if you met him he would not only make you laugh he 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 would listen to you and he would laugh at what you had to say you know and he he just really was generous you know and and so i i do feel that you know he 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 always saw the world with this huge sense of wonder. And I was always sarcastic, you know, I'm always dark. I'm the dark cloud. He's always like, you know, anything's possible. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I'm just rats and frats. you know? And, uh, b- but this year I've had so much, you know, um, kindness shown from, for me, from, people who love me and from strangers and a lot of strangers and, and, and I like to think that's like the last generous gift my friend gave me, you know, that I see the world a little less dark as I used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I often talk about his, something that wasn't addressed, you know, he was diagnosed. Well, not diagnosed. He, 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 his, his coroner's report showed that he had Lewy body dementia, which is a form of dementia, which is exactly what you think. It, 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 and it and his brain was riddled with it. And it, he 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 processed life the, especially these last 2 years with as someone with dementia mm-hmm. you know um and and i i believe that that's why my friend passed away you know i i just wish he hadn't gotten sick now i say that but but this past week or two it's i just miss my friend you know i just you know i just miss him that's all that's all you know and and I don't expect the world to understand that. And I and I laugh sometimes at 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 people's insens how insensitive they are. I mean that's the only thing I can do. Yeah. Like I was just getting hammered the other day during this interview by this kid and he was like, you know, I don't know why he did that, you know, I really love Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean I love Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> and I just finally said I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but again, people don't know how close we were and and, 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 and rightly so. We didn't, you know, although we did spend the, uh, you know, we did have a lifetime together. So
0: how so. did you guys meet?
1: Um, the first time we met, this was back when I would wear a lot of mascara on stage and I would just cry and read a Dear John letter, <laughs> you know, you know, it'd be like, thank you. It's nice to be here. And then I'd break down in tears and then. Read this dear John letter, which was an actual dear John letter, and then I'd go back into my acting. You know, my wife is so fat. You know, How fat is she? I don't. I just told you I don't even have a girlfriend. You know, <laughs> so it was just these weird things I would do on stage. And I'm in a leisure suit and with all this mascara from crying. And uh, the club owner's like, Robin Williams is coming in here tonight. It was in Boston. He goes, go, go hide in the kitchen. I don't want him to see you." <laughs> and so <laughs> I stood in the kitchen, and then he comes in. And we didn't talk. We were just looking at, it at the floor and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, they told me that they didn't want me to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> this is really awkward, weird exchange. And then less than a year I moved out to San Francisco and he would come to my shows and he would, uh, I think he really, the persona I think was so strong then I would just hear him laughing in the back of the, the room and then he wouldn't say hi. Like I think he thought I was going to be mean or something and, and then uh, eventually, uh, we 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 sat around watching TV. You know, I think that might be the, the the what our friendship was about. You know, I I truly never wanted anything from the guy other than just to be his pal. You know, I, I you know I think if you heard us talking, if you were at a restaurant, you'd probably think those those must be two CPAs. That's the most boring conversation I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. You know.
0: What kind of stuff did you guys talk about? Just life stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is and I've said this before and I don't mean this to sound any way because I really do and that's just, I'm not a doctor. I do believe Lewy body dementia is what killed him because people would say, you know, like he was he depressed, you know. He battled the kind of same depressions that that we comics or just humans do. You know, he battled the same kind of things we all do. You know, and so it's like, did he ever talk about suicide? It's like, you know, we're comedians. You know, we talked about suicide for thirty years. You know, occasionally <laughs> we would talk about other things. You know, hey, <laughs> hey, congratulations on the Oscar. Oh, thanks. Yeah, how would you do it? I don't know. Maybe a car. You know. So I mean, it, it, um, did we? Did he talk about? no did he did he talk about it yes did he dwell on it no it was just the kind of friendship where we talked about everything
0: how'd you find out
1: that was weird it was the 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 i the moment that i finished the last shot of call me lucky i turned my cell phone back on and there was an emergency from from a dear dear friend and um uh you know and and you know, and they were letting me know, you know, and, uh, and that's how, so it was really strange, you know, and so I had this, you know, I tried to deal with, I don't know if I processed my own grief, but I tried to, I, I was in shock, and I had some tears, and I was, you know, and I tried to be around those who loved him, and, but I went back and finished the movie, because I don't know why, I think I did it partially I knew that that's what he would have wanted. So I, I – I, and I just – you know, it was a year of a divorce. Uh, Robin passed away. Uh, girlfriend and I broke up decorating the Christmas tree. And then I would find solace by um, editing a baby rape documentary for 8 to 12 hours a day. <laughs> so it was a really laugh-a-minute year. It really – you know, and, and, and my brain – I, uh, Toby Huss and John Weiner and I, we every year we jump in the ocean and they're more cosmic than me because I'm I'm an agnostic and, but they ask the universe. We jump in the ocean on New Year's Day and you know it's like this is the year I get paid to be a creative person. This is the year I meet my soulmate. You know, and I'm always like, "Uh, snow tires. (laughs) I want snow tires this year. You know, but this year I actually. Because I've been living in a way where it's like, when is this pain going to stop? And then I said, and I went to the ocean and I said, just bring me more pain. You know, who's to say that this wasn't just a toughening up period, you know? And uh, once I put that out there, I, I, I did notice a big shift in me. Like I felt that I was okay, you know? And, and I, it comes in waves. You know, I used to think that it was like losing an arm that I wasn't going to get back, you know? and then i've had periods where i have felt okay it's just this this anniversary and i think the movie being finished and stuff it it's it's been hitting me um uh hard but mm-hmm. you know
0: the shift from saying bring me more pain do you think that's because you were on some level, like not fighting it anymore or embracing yeah, it? Yeah, I wasn't
1: fighting anymore because every day up until then I was like, when is this going to stop? Yeah. When is this going to stop? And every day something crazy or weird would happen in my life. You know, my my girlfriend's moving out and and uh, she calls me up and uh, a neighbor says I stole her dog and they bring the police. And that's and like... What, did you? Well, that's the thing. She goes... I go, you know, I wouldn't steal a dog. She goes, that's what I'm trying to tell him. You know, she's in tears. And it's just like, she goes, she goes, I go, if it was a cat, I'd steal a cat. You know, I love cats. And and um, and um, she's in tears. And she goes, he didn't take your dog. He's the nicest man I know. <laughs> you know. So it was just every day something weird like that was happening. So
0: I didn't realize you went through a divorce.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Boy, more than just... Joining Twitter has happened in your life since I yeah, saw you.
1: Yeah, but you know, this is life, you know. And uh, I have a, a funny story with them. Uh, you know, Eric Idle and his wife Tanya and daughter Lily. They've been friends with my daughter and I for twenty or more years, I don't even know how long, and I I was saying to Eric, I go, I don't know what I'm doing. I go, look at my life, you know, I, I my movies make hundreds of dollars. I don't I don't I don't have a I'm I'm in my fifties, I'm living in an apartment. You know, I have all these relationships that come and go. And he says, he says, you know, it's because you're romantic, you know, says you won't settle. That's, that's why, you know, you could have a, you could make a fortune directing television right now. The people ask you to do that. And you say, no, because you believe in your projects and, you you know, when things aren't going well, you believe that there is a, a, a greater love out there. And it's because you're romantic. You're romantic. And so I was telling Billy Connolly this. And Billy Connolly says, or you're a failure. <laughs> he says, have you thought about that? <laughs> and he says, did Eric tell you this in his mansion? <laughs> <laughs> I love Billy Connolly. And I yeah, I was just crying with laughter when, when, <laughs> when, when he told me that. It was really funny.
0: That is Will they? Well Don't they say that actually pessimists are, wait, what is it? There's something about pessimists and realists. Pessimists have a more idealistic view of the world. Am I getting this right? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that rings a bell. I've, I've had, I I've wish had, I hadn't even brought it up. I've no, had no, no. people try to pull that on me when I'm being cynical. They're like, you know, you're just uh, idealistic. And I was like, you. Well, well, Barry says that in the movie. You know, people say he's cynical, or you know, and and he says, "Look, I'm still up here swinging. I'm still complaining." You know, so so who's cynical? You know, who who? And, and you know, he's still giving it. You know, he's still swinging. So it, you know, it's the people that roll over and say that you know that that it's not worth it. complaining about are the ones that have given up. Those are the more cynical folks. So with Barry, did you? At what point did you become aware of his story? Be- Before he disclosed on stage, I did. I, you know, he told me and and, um, and people, uh, you know, there was always this anger in Barry and there was always, you know, heavy drinker and all this stuff. And everybody wanted to diagnose him, you know, and would say, oh, I think he might be an alcoholic or this and that. And I was like, I'm telling you, that's not it. There's something else going on. And so when he told me, I wasn't, You know, he says that I, that I, almost, you know, in his mind, you know, when he tells it, I smiled and birds appeared and stuff, you know, I I didn't like make it about me and go, oh, no, I was when he told me I was like, oh, I was there was a sense of relief. A big piece of the puzzle snapped into place. And I said, all right, we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to start working on this. Because him telling me he clearly had made the decision to do that, so mm-hmm. you know, there's the great line in the movie when he would disclose to people. They say, "Well, are you talking to anyone?" He says, "I thought I was fucking talking to you,", <laughs> you know? and 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 I didn't do that when he said it. I I just was like, you know, and I wish I put that in the end of the movie. You know, it says right now, you know, if you're a victim of abuse, tell someone, tell everyone. I I kind of wish it just said, if you're a victim of abuse, uh, tell someone, and 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 if and if you're not, listen. You know, because that's all you have to do. You know, because when someone when someone discloses to you, they're not burdening you with anything if if you've got an open heart. You know, mm-hmm.
0: I think people just get uncomfortable.
1: Of course, I mean that's where this stuff lives, and and and, and it's you know this crime. Like you wouldn't, there's no shame in getting robbed or, <laughs> or beat up, or, right? Or, or you know, someone, but 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 you know, and and the shame is 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 non-deserved and and it's where predators thrive
0: in wanting to make the movie do you were you responding to and it can be more than one but the subject matter or barry
1: you know to be completely honest as much as i love my friend and i and i do want to hold him up and say to the world hey check this guy out he's courageous and he's he's unique um the a thing went off in my head and i went you know this is a really good story you know and 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 that really was the fuel you know mm-hmm. i have a lot of friends but this story really you know spoke to me and um i remember I remember I was in his house. I remember the day. I remember sitting there, and he said that he had, that the guy who had raped him when he was a kid had died a month before in prison, and he knew where the prison was, and he said that he was really sad. And I said, because you didn't get a chance to confront him and have closure? And and he said, no, he died alone. And when he said that, I was like, I'm going to win awards. No, I said, <laughs> I was like, you know, to see this guy who is all rage to show empathy. Right. Cuz he doesn't I don't know if he has forgiveness for this person, but he has empathy, you know. Like he's, you know, to this day he he's still, you know, you know, he talks about putting flowers on that grave and and saying, you know, I didn't turn into you, you know.
0: I thought the scene or one of the scenes that I thought was really affecting was when he was talking about the black eyed Susans. Yeah. Oh, well, thank
1: you. You're the only person to, you know, and I loved that. And I loved when he mentioned it. And then when we went to the house, because he said I probably killed uh, future generations and then they were there. And I was like, you know, and my editor kept going, what is it with these goddamn flowers? Why do you care? And I just thought that that was such a sweet and touching story, you know? Just
0: how, how much he's a gentle soul. Yeah. And, and the, some self-loathing in there, too. Yeah.
1: Well, he's a comedian, for God's sakes. <laughs> are there comedians without self-loathing?
0: I they're probably not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. There must are, be.
1: But. There must be.
0: You know what, though? Maybe they don't have self-loathing, but everyone else hates them.
1: that is true so there's still so there's some loathing going on at least I I don't know I mean is is it what motivates you once you've done well to get back up there again I mean that's kind of you know once you've proved you could do it you know that's a little nuts
0: right right so for the audience who's listening going but I haven't seen it and I don't know what you're talking about with the Black Eyed Susans since it's your movie can you explain that to them
1: well he talks about when he was a little boy he would go and pick black eyed Susans for his mother, but he They're didn't flowers. Know, yeah. He didn't know you were supposed to cut them off. So he would just pull them up from the earth. So he'd bring them in roots and all. And his mother would make a big deal out of it. And he just kept doing it. So he, he says, I probably wiped out an entire future generation of black eyed Susans. <laughs> but it was, it was key to me because it, it talked about, it was an example of his innocence before uh, the rapes and, and, and and he's such a gruff guy and he comes off as such a man's man. I just thought it was so sweet to hear him talk about these flowers. And then, you know, we went back to the home and there they were. But he, you know, the, going to the home, there's two scenes in the movie that my daughter says that I look like an asshole. <laughs> and one is when he goes into the basement. and
0: Where the scene of where yeah, it all happened.
1: And he was, in, I did not want him to go in the basement. I knew I was going to film the basement. I was filming it um, because I wanted to – I I didn't want to do reenactments. I just wanted to have the space and let our imagination speak. Whenever I say I didn't want to do reenactments at a Q&A, Barry goes, you didn't want to do reenactments. But, uh, so, So when we're filming there – Barry said that he wanted to put a button on the home and make sure it was okay for people and kids who live there and, and to, to sum up that it didn't hold him back. So he said, okay, well, you can come with us. Then when we get there, that's where we had the big fight. He's like, I'm going in the basement. I'm not giving i I'm not making a shrine to evil. I'm demystifying it. This has no power. You can film it or not, but I'm not going to come this close and not go down there. And I said, well, could you at least give me five minutes so I can get the camera set up? And he's very articulate and and eloquent in the basement. But, you know, I know Barry well enough that I knew he was in shock, you know, when we did that. He, yeah, he, I, he does that weird thing with his throat, and he's like, you know, that, <clears throat> I can't do it like that. Yeah, <clears> throat> when throat> he starts doing that. And he came out and he said because at the end of the day he is still a, a a guy in showbiz you know and he said is any of that usable because i i was i totally blacked out i don't know what i said that's what he said to me i said well i'm going to play yakety sax the whole time you're in the basement anyways <laughs> and he goes yeah could you animate it so so um our sense of humor while we made the movie was uh gallows humor but but you know if I I think I get an honorary pass on some of it, and and certainly he and his other survivors have a complete pass.
0: Um, what was the story of the interview with his sister? Because that was that was really that's the other compelling. one where my daughter
1: says that I look like an asshole. But um, you know, she is a you know, as I say in the movie, you know, Barry says you were his hero, um, but but she she's not someone who's been interviewed so so that's i'm sure there's some fear coming from her that's quite overwhelming you're there with a whole crew and stuff and um here's an exclusive i was like going wow she is really upset <laughs> and, and um i thought to myself cuz our dp uh bradley stone cipher is uh he's a, he's a, he's a babe and, and, uh, and, you know, guys and women, they all, just, everybody just, you know, he, he's a babe and he's super charming. So I said, well, she's really upset and it feels like she might be upset with me. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'll let Bradley uh, work his Console magic. Her. Yeah. So I just stood there in the bathroom for about 10 minutes. And I thought, he's got to be, and I walked back out and <laughs> they're not talking. She's like, I was like, oh man. Oh. He, she was impervious to the stone cipher. So, um. <laughs> So it starts finally with me saying, you know, what Barry has said, you know, and he, what people do is they, uh, because this is such a horrendous crime, they want to discredit the victim, mm-hmm. and, and and it was key that she was in the movie because she was a witness, you know, and 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 that's a hundred percent because right now you know 99 percent of the movie has just been very favorable the you know but i'm fully aware that at one point the it it will swing the other direction where there will be people that will uh try to discredit barry because that's just the you know when barry's been outspoken in the past people have come after him
0: yeah it's like people can't process that something they just want to make it that can't be true it's too awful
1: I think right? yeah, like when I was like when I was ego surfing, someone uh, said some snarky comment about like this was an attempt to to revive my career. It's like <laughs> if I wanted to revive my career, you know, I would just go do the voice. You know what I mean? You know, I could or I'd say yes to uh Celebrity Fit Club or all those shows, you know. I, I yeah, the 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 much lucrative uh child pornography path that everybody takes to uh to reinvent themselves.
0: Right um with the sister did she and again just to fill in the audience um what was so compelling about it is that at the beginning well it's super compelling because she has her own account of the of having witnessed the abuse as well and she's someone who's so important to Barry, but at the beginning she's very uncomfortable on camera. Clearly, and you almost yeah. get the sense that she didn't realize she was going to be on camera. Is yeah. what actually happened?
1: Well, you know, I don't want to get in the middle of a family thing, but she does say that she. But you know, Barry says, "I told her she was going to get interviewed, and that you were making a movie about me. You know, of course, there's going to be cameras. You know, um, I I feel when she says that she didn't realize." The, the size of the production. I'm sure she probably thought it was going to be, you know, uh, you know, someone with a DV camera, you know, but the movie, you know, my movies are, are usually very small, but I, 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 felt the need to, to, to believe it or not, I'm doing a documentary, but I felt that it was important that um, it's the most stylized movie that I've made. And uh, I just felt that, I just felt that, that, that it needed to be shot um, um, tastefully. And I just thought it was important to make the movie look good. You know, I, I love documentaries and there'll be some great stories, but they're just a, a handful of interviews on DV cameras. And it and, um, doesn't mean that, you know, there's some great documentaries that aren't shot well, you know, like Tarnation and stuff. But 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 I just felt that I was, I don't know. I knew that I would be competing with, more established documentary kind of people. And they're uh, not competing, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I wanted the movie to look good. Mm
0: -hmm. Did at any point, did she not want to participate and you had to convince her, though? Or was she? No.
1: I mean, we discussed, uh, you know, what you see in the movie is, 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 is basically the, the, the probably the most uncomfortable part you know because i love that she's you know the people, most compelling too. people don't catch that she she's at the beginning of the movie and she's not upset and it's after you know the 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 floodgates were open and she's talking in very sweet terms about barry and i actually love her interview in the movie because i love what she says uh at the end too you know you know i wouldn't call him a saint you know <laughs> uh Uh, but, you know, but there is something, uh, there is something, I don't like the term spiritual, but there is something almost religious in a way. I mean, I guess spiritual, you know, this, this, the fact that, you know, you, you know, your life should be actions and not, 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 not word, you know, just lip service. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I thought it was interesting when I was watching it that the the revelation, though as a viewer you know it. You know it's coming. It doesn't yeah. happen until sort of far yeah. into it.
1: Yeah, but totally I, I I wanted to hint at it because I didn't want it to be right something that came out of the blue. You know, right out of the gate people are saying there was always something amiss with Barry and and we hint at it. There's a bit of a red herring when he starts talking about the Catholic Church. But um I I wanted the audience to have the same relationship myself and my fellow comedians and friends had, and know him before they knew all about him. You know, I think f- the other way to do this movie would have been the 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 forty eight hours how they would have done it. You know, they would have said, raped at four comedian Barry Crimmins, <laughs> You know, and I also knew that once once we disclosed that as filmmakers that the um it would minimize everything he had to say up uh, you know it would be hard f- for you to be laughing at a joke about kentucky uh <laughs> uh, uh you know so, so once that was out so right. i kind of wanted the audience to know my friend the way i did before i, I, I knew the events that made him who he was
0: there was also some footage in the movie of you really high and was...
1: Well, I don't think I'm high. I look high. Okay. I was no longer high, but I look like a nut job.
0: Oh, right. Because you got sober I really I got sober really when I was
1: 19, yeah. Okay. I might have been. I mean, I don't know. It was
0: actually pretty young. I I thought it was The footage, footage is, I mean it matches a you story see me where as a
1: teenager. Yeah. And then you see me in a leisure suit with um giant I look like I'm in the band The Alarm. I have big bangs <laughs> and, and um yeah.
0: Or for friends fans like the flashback episode where Chandler
1: and uh Ross were in whatever band they were in. Oh, I uh yeah, so so uh there is footage of, <laughs> Of Tom Kenny and I too. And it's funny. Saying
0: that Bobcat and Tomcat were kind of
1: spoofing Bearcat. Yeah, we were being being sarcastic pricks. You know, people called him Bearcat, and and we were just teenagers going, Oh, that's funny. My name's Bobcat. He's Tomcat. (laughs) And then he just found out a few years ago. He was furious. He was like, You snide motherfucker. He was (laughs) screaming at me. For 30 years, I've defended you saying that. No, they came up with that on their own. Yeah, so he was really pissed. <laughs> but the joke backfired because they're Barry and Tom, and I'm Bobcat. So, you know. It's, 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 it's...
0: Um, but the footage of you, it it goes with a story where you're talking about having been on LSD and drunk, and you said that you also had done some coke. <laughs> yeah. So you, so that's probably not, that's yeah, not that's that not far so I was like, that. how do you happen to have that from that night? No,
1: but, uh, well, you know, I, what I left out on that, that story, which I wish was in the movie was, you know, I talk about, about kind of bottoming out and, and Barry giving me some money and telling me to go home. But, but what's left out is the fact that, that, you know, no one wanted anything to do with me, you know? and he he called me the day
0: because uh because you had destroyed a bunch of stuff at a party or just Yeah, in but general. it was even
1: worse than that. It was, yeah, it was just the way I was acting and then I destroyed it and then it was the guy's house was one of the main guys who did all the booking oh. and it, it just politically it I, I was not someone you should be seen with and and Barry could you know give a rat's ass he was just genuinely concerned and it's funny you know that you know, he 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 suggested that that uh, you know that drinking and, and drugs weren't really uh, I wasn't cut out for him, and and he says it was out of selfish reasons. He said, <laughs> he said I was ruining it for everyone else. You know? So, uh, and and then uh, once I got sober, he called me and said uh, that he had a, a retox center at his home anytime I needed to retox. And, you know, he's always busting my chops, you know. I remember in the 80s getting a call at about 3 a.m. and he's just drunk and he's like, Goldthwait, you suck. And I go, what did I do? I was really, a f- <laughs> I, was, I really thought I heard his feelings. He goes, nothing, I'm drunk and I thought I'd call a movie star and tell him he sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, he he's uh. You know, I love the man, you know, it, it, like I said, in the movie, he's like family. He's, you know, we, we, we just like family. We sometimes drive each other crazy.
0: A a lighthearted scene from the movie that I enjoyed a lot was when you framed the wrong house.
1: Oh, well, that's just my incompetence coming through. (laughs) Yeah. We were in front. I'm outside my childhood home. (laughs) And he, I go look to your left. He goes, "That's not my house." <laughs> and then you hear me mumble, "Go, this is fucking wrong house." <laughs> and so and then it smash cuts, and we're in front of the right house. There was a, a lot of that kind of stuff. My incompetence as a documentary filmmaker that didn't make the movie. But you know, Barry. The funny thing is, Barry can't. He, everything has to be honest. So there's a few things that are are cooked. The he didn't have any home movies. Those home movies are my family and me. Um, uh, And, you know, there's a shot with him chopping wood and he's out in the snow because he does heat his home with wood. It's not that fake. But later when I came back and it was spring and I wanted to show him, I could just take the same walk that you did with the the log but now it's with the dogs and he goes oh that's fucking magical wizard of oz yeah i get it so so he wouldn't do it like he would just look in the lens and wave while he was doing it i was like so the footage in there he doesn't know the camera's rolling
0: oh really and
1: then the other thing that's a total lie is my interviews are a lie because uh i mean everything i say is honest but no one's interviewing me i'm just sitting there looking all earnest going oh that's a good question bobcat i'm talking to a piece of tape you know, and I knew certain holes that would have to be mm-hmm. patched. So in my interview, I'm just acting all earnest and stuff, and I'm just full of shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it never even occurred to me when in the time I was like, oh, and you just booked yourself for an hour yeah, or two. Yeah, like yeah. when yeah. in the timeline you would have sat down with you.
1: Yeah. I should have got coverage of me asking questions, <laughs> the questions <flip side. laughs>
0: Looking thoughtful. Um, James Franco at the very end. What <laughs> was that from?
1: That was because I thought Barry's line was. It was really funny that that uh, you know that he's going to get cut out of his own documentary, and then and then I just like I knew that at the end of the movie, and that it, it's a spoiler. It's not. It's just more oh, funny yeah, and weird. sorry. But it's just there's a scene where James Franco is playing Barry at the end of the movie. But but it was I I knew that I wanted to. Once we got through everything, I kind of wanted to make sure that uh, that there was some laughs on the way out the door. And and um, I don't usually like wacky credits in a movie because it, it takes me away from, you know, you created this world. Now I'm going to see how you screwed up while you made it. But but I, I felt the stories and having that joke in there and, and the animation. I just wanted to make sure people were laughing at the end of the movie.
0: Let's take some questions that came in over Twitter. But I have to warn everyone fairly weak assortment of questions that came in, like mostly police academy <laughs> and people wanting to know if you, if I told you about my crush, which we've, we've discussed canvassed. this. Yes, we've, we have.
1: We've been this. you will be on. Did
0: this. I tell you? I can't remember when I had you on versus when this had happened. Did I tell you about the people in the audience in yes, one of my live shows advances. with the masks? Well, okay, I can we give the history masks. of us.
1: All right. Because the first time I met you was at the bb kings and you were doing a podcast there john Lovitz, yeah that thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah john Lovitz, on it. the john Lovitz pod and and we started talking Club, whatever it is and we were we were locked our eyes had met and we were really we were we were birds we were,
0: were fluttering around we my were, head we were I was flirting, feeling and you
1: were going to the bathroom and uh, yeah we were stammering and talking about um the candle that was in there oh, i yes. even remember the conversation I- yeah
0: <laughs> you hear that too, right? yeah
1: yeah yeah so I remember it clearly so it wasn't Aww. just you so. and we
0: were also thank you talking about your symbol tattoo
1: oh I may have showed you my ass. Chinese that's symbol. A nice, uh, oh is that breaker. where that is? <laughs> my yeah, memory my, of it is it's uh, on your chest no there's another one on my chest but it <laughs> says a lot about my chest that it can be, <laughs> be mistaken but yeah so that's our history so we're fine we've all moved on you're you're, you're yes now I'm awkward but we uh, yeah why do people love this so much
0: I don't know, but I'm totally flattered that you remember because I I had my memory when I think of the beginning of us. It's the show <laughs> the <history of> us. <laughs> at Irvine Improv, and my parents were in the audience. And on stage, you said something about I don't know. You maybe you said something crass, and you're like, "Is your crush on me gone?" Oh, and I was like, "Oh my god, I feel so, I'm so awkward right now." And then oh. at the end, I remember just being like, <laughs> "Bye."
1: <laughs> there was a. There was a. Hole in the wall <laughs> yeah, in your was shape. Yeah, my
0: shape. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but so anyway, for the newer listener, I did a live show at the Nerd Melt Theater and there were people in the audience wearing Bobcat Goldthwait masks, which was creepy.
1: That's really creepy. Yeah. Creepy. Imagine how I feel. They should have committed crimes.
0: <laughs> right. It would have it been like the, point new, break.
1: the new Johnny Utah.
0: Um. Okay, so anyway, oh, we have a little thing that we play before the terrible questions. When we ask, we send them in,
1: they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans.
0: Okay, we have two questions. West Anthony says he's made films with some fairly difficult subject matter. Does he have any scripts that were too way out to get financing? Uh,
1: That's a good question. I don't approach him the traditional way. I just write them. You know, after World's Greatest Dad, I wrote 11 screenplays. So I don't, I don't, in a weird way, I don't. I think of making all of them while I'm writing them, but I won't make them until I can get the money and not compromise what they're about or how I envisioned it. So are any of the movies... I think each time, you know, I don't... I'm amazed anyone gives me money to make any movie, you know. It's a rom-com, but with some bestiality, you know. It's, (laughs) it's, It's a movie, you know. I mean, the whole... Everything you... All of them are difficult, but there's, you know, I've... I've written a zombie fetus movie that I'm sure I'll make. I've been trying to make this musical based on a Kinks album called *Schoolboys in Disgrace*. I know someday I'll make that. That's my big passionate project. Um, uh, I, I write movies constantly, and, and um, I just make them when the 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 financing and everybody feels like they're not going to be giving me notes or, or that it's going to be. Uh I don't I would rather not make one of my movies than than make them with the wrong people.
0: And I I'm, I imagine it did it take you a while to get to that point where you realized that?
1: Oh yeah, man. It would took forever. I mean, I had I you know, forever I was you know, my psyche was about getting jobs and then getting enough heat and then go do the things that I really wanted to do or to write screenplays that would get made. You know, whoever was hot that year, or, or you know, I, I just was always trying to fit into other people's, um, you know, ideas of, of, you know, and I mm-hmm. and I stopped listening to that voice in my head, you know, and and so How? I wrote, I, I just, you know, this machine, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I, you know, you you end up. Uh, with a life and 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 you're you're perpetuating a persona and making money and it's just all strange you know I I I always say I had the career at the beginning that most people have at the end like I sold out as a young man you know (laughs) and then as a as a a guy my age I, I I just am not willing to do that you know.
0: Did you realize you were selling out at the beginning, though?
1: No, but I, it didn't feel right. Like, I always knew. I go, this is this is crap. This isn't fun. This isn't what I want to do. Because this
0: it was a persona?
1: Well, it wasn't a persona as much as just the quality of the movies. You know, there really, you know, wasn't... There wasn't any interest in, in me doing other things outside of me. Like, I was the only one that had any interest in me doing other things. Um, and I don't blame... You know, it took me a long time. I truly didn't know. I felt that my writing was so bad because I had been turned down by so many places that I wrote Stay, which became Sleeping Dogs Lie, just to see if I could write a movie from start to finish, give it to someone and they could understand it. Because I didn't even think I could write well enough to convey a story to other people. So I wrote that. And, um, My manager at the time read it and had a meeting with me immediately. Uh, And he said, this is a really well-written script. And I said, oh, thanks. And he says, "Uh, I'm not sending it out because I'm afraid what people are going to think about your mental health. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't laugh. I mean, at the time, I was really devastated. And then driving home, I was like, eh, this is not – I I gotta stop this. I gotta get off this. I gotta I gotta leave this management company. I just none of this is gonna make me happy. And so that script just sat around for a year, and um, the woman who ended up being uh, my wife, uh, she she read it. And we were just friends at the time. And she's like, "This is a great movie. We should make it." I go, "I don't have any money." And so we got a crew from Craigslist, and we went out and filmed it. And we shot it for twenty grand, and then it ended up at Sundance. You know, so so that's what changed. Everything for me that that her doing that and 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 us making that movie. But you know we made the movie with like I said it was all these kids that were from uh Craigslist and there's a scene in a garage and we didn't have a garage so this home next door to where we were filming was for sale so uh I guess time's passed enough so I broke the lock off the garage door <laughs> and we we put the car in and then we put the lights in we had extension cords running across the street and I said to the crew I go it's a really intense scene you have to be quiet for the actors tonight. And they go, <laughs> the GP goes, you don't have a permit again, do you? I go, dude, I don't know whose fucking house houses. <laughs> and so we shot the whole scene. And as we're loading up and the sun's coming up, the moving van pulled up. It was amazing. It was perfect. So, so there's always, you know, when we're doing world's greatest dad, I remember there was a scene in there where I felt Robin's character got over his son's uh, demise too quickly. So, I came up with a scene, and 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 Chris from Nirvana's in the scene actually, because I said, "Hey, will you come and be in this movie?" And he's like, "Why?" Because we were in Seattle, and he's like, "I go because you're funny." And so he's in the scene, and and it's a scene that's shot outside, and it's thrown together, and 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 um, and we weren't permitted. You know, and Robin was so excited because he finally, you know, he's like, he's like, what do we do? You know, what do we do if the police come? I go, run, you know, it's total Ed Wood, you know. (laughs) So he he always called me Bob Wood, you know, so. (laughs) And I remember saying to him, I go, because he read world's greatest dad thought he was going to help me out and play a small part and help me get it financed but then he called up and said you know i'd like to play the guy i'd like to play the lead because i I, I certainly if i was going to write a movie for robin williams i wouldn't you know i would have stayed away from english teacher i think he had tackled that pretty well (laughs) so so he he and i said to him i said i said you know you can't i go you can't make art in a mansion. And he goes, I gotta sell my home. I go, no, 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 you have to stay in a chain quality hotel like the rest of us. And he goes, oh, so I can do that. Yeah. So,
0: so when did you get divorced?
1: Uh, that was this last year was when it went through, and then it, I mean, when it, yeah. So, yeah.
0: But was that was that before or after Robin?
1: It was during. You know, we split up, and then he passed away, and then he takes. I don't know if you've had the pleasure, but it takes a long time to. Get all the legal stuff. No, not yet. Uh, <laughs> well well, I hope you don't have to. See? I'm very nice. See, I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not gunning for us. I, I, I've i moved on. <laughs> I'm 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 not trying to sabotage your relationship.
0: Well this opens whole new vistas for me though, because I had no idea you remembered our conversation about a candle. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> My life's taking a sudden turn. Well, you're
1: gonna find out if he listens to the show. <laughs> That's right. You might, you, you might be getting a rolling pin.
0: Um. Okay. And Dave Mason says, has he, wait, no, I'm going back to that question. So you made the decision to leave your management company and to pursue what you were actually into. Was that a, a rapid decision or did you have to mull that one?
1: No, I kind of finally got, it was like, a, a, you know, I was devastated when someone told me that they were worried about my mental health because of the kind of movies I wanted to make. So. But so the decision came fast. But I will say Kimmel was, you know, Jimmy Kimmel hired me to direct his show and hired me on Crank Anchor as a man show as someone behind the scenes. You know, he didn't, you know, I didn't want to be in front of the camera and he got that and and wanted me to direct and, and pushed ABC to hire me as the director of the Kimmel show. So Jimmy Kimmel believed in me when most people were using my name as a punchline. So I always have a huge soft spot for Kimmel. You know, he... He, uh, you know, I, it's funny. His 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 family. I think it was his mother were Shakes the Clown fans, which is really really weird to think about. But yeah, so so you know, I like I said, I I I wouldn't be directing movies if it wasn't for for Jimmy.
0: When I interviewed you last, you talked about what drove you was for a long time. Like Robin wanted everyone to like him. Yeah. But you wanted people to say, can you believe what you did? <laughs>
1: yeah, I wanted people to listen to me.
0: And now what drives you?
1: Um, I, I, you know, I was asked, like, because I make a movie about every year, every year, or every year and a half. And someone said, you know, who's the filmmakers that you compete with in your head? And I'm like, I'm competing with the Grim fucking Reaper. You know, <laughs> that, that's what motivates me. And And what motivates me now is, is I have all these stories that I want to tell. And 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 every time that I pull a trigger on a movie, it has to be, um, I have to go, can I do this? You know, I made a scary Bigfoot movie. Why? Because I love Bigfoot. And I, I didn't know if I could scare people. You know, I love in Tarantino's movies where nothing is happening and you're sitting at the edge of your seat and i didn't know i wanted to see if i could try and do that you know so 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 that's it's the challenge you know it's always you know that's why i want to make a musical that's why i just want to keep making all different kinds of movies i don't you know i i probably will go back to a movie that's similar in tone as world's greatest dad and um god bless america because i i wrote a movie about a a junkie uh it's kind of like my take on all hail the conquering hero it's this junkie who everyone thought was dead and he shows up to his hometown and his dad's such an asshole he tells his dad that he's been in the black ops in afghanistan and and so he becomes the hometown hero even though he's this <laughs> shitty junkie <who's laughs> stealing money from children and stuff um i openly talk about my movies i maybe i shouldn't you know some you know uh, but uh, I just feel that 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 even if someone was to take the idea, you know, it still wouldn't be what my version is going right. to be. And plus, it's also like, hey, good luck, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, Dave Mason says, has he kept in touch with Perry from Windy City Heat? And One Crazy Summer is way underrated.
1: Well, I I saw Perry not long ago. So, but no, I don't keep in too much contact with Perry. But I, I know that they uh, that the big three have a podcast. I, uh, yeah, One Crazy Summer is, uh, you know, Savage Steve Holland, for people who don't know what that movie is, he did Better Off Dead and he did One Crazy Summer. And uh, that's how uh, I I know Joel Murray, who starred in God Bless America. was I met him on that movie. And there was, we did a commentary recently for that movie, which is pretty funny because uh, I was really a big, I'm kind of a, Indoor BB gun enthusiast But uh, on that movie I was really Indoor model rocketry I would build (laughs) Esty's rockets all day And then shoot them Down the hallway At the hotel You gotta make Your own fun By the way Sober (laughs) I'd like to stress that People always think I was on drugs
0: Let's do Just me or everyone Sometimes I ponder on Something I have Thought or done Is it just me for everyone. Okay. Megan says, podcasts can be overwhelming because when I commit to one, I feel like I have to listen to every episode. You know, for some reason, I did not expect you to be a podcast listener. But if you heard Barry on WTF and on the other one that you mentioned, yeah, was on.
1: And With I'm Dana, forgetting. Dana. Gould's. Right.
0: I do. Oh, that was a terrible one for me to forget. <laughs> so, I love Dana Gould. If only. I love he, Dana Gould uh, and I love his producer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, uh, um, yeah, I binge listen to him. Like there'll be someone and then I'll I'll listen to like, eight, you know, like eight or ten episodes. I'll pick people I'm interested in knowing about. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't. And that's how I do it. I uh, Yeah. So I get caught up.
0: Yeah, I do that too. I listen in spurts but I do know a lot of people do feel like, oh, I can't get into a new one because that's just too much of a commitment. It's like, you right. can pick and choose. Most of them aren't serialized.
1: No, no, they're not.
0: Although please subscribe to mine and listen to everyone.
1: <laughs> well, I hope you're binge listening to this right now.
0: That's right. Scott Hatherley says, we need to come to a consensus on the spelling of the color gray, G-R-A-Y or G-R-E-Y, I would agree, and I have a thing where whenever I write it, I think, "Wait, is that how I spell it?" Like I personally have my own preference, but I don't know which one it is anymore.
1: I go with uh, I, I. I think we have to come to concessions on Joel Gray or Alan Cumming as the perfect MC in the movie <laughs> in Cabaret.
0: Yes, who would you but, go with?
1: Oh, uh, I hate to uh, throw Joel under the bus, but Alan Cumming—I love him.
0: Okay, are you a big Cabaret fan?
1: Uh, it's yeah, probably my favorite movie, but and also I've seen the play seven times, I think. Wow. Yeah.
0: You're like, what is, there should be I'm, a name. Like, there's I'm, rent heads, people well, who are into rent.
1: Well, I had – um, I I bought a scalper ticket to see Liza Minnelli and Alan Cumming. It was the perfect uh, uh, Sally Bowles and and uh, uh, MC connect, you know. And they, it was her birthday, and I bought like a, a $500 ticket, which I thought was cheap for front row. And my wife at the time, she's like – what did my straight husband do tonight? <laughs> I was like, I, I went, uh, uh, and, I go, and I may have welled up. And she's like, y- you could have just told me you blew nine guys, and that would sound less gay than what you just told me. Was
0: it totally worth it, though?
1: Oh, my God, yeah. And John Candor was behind me, and she started changing the lyrics to Cabaret. And I go, she changed the words. He goes, it's okay. <laughs> Again, that I knew who he was. That's kind of scary.
0: When I saw it, um, it was in... This cool theater yeah, did, was the that Studio like Studio
1: Fifty Four? Yes, where it's in it like a cabaret. cabaret. Yeah. yeah, sure. That's
0: where. Is that where you? Yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about. Okay. I think I saw Molly Ringwald. Did she do it?
1: Yes, she did. I, I believe I saw her too.
0: I think that's who I saw. And I can't remember who was the MC.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Oh well.
0: Oh well. My sister would remember. Natalie' friend says. No, oh, you're not going to relate to this one. But hides panties during pelvic exam. Doctor and nurse see the goods, but heaven forbid panties. Yes, I do this too. They say undress from the waist down. And so then I undress from the, <laughs> undress from the waist down. The doctor will be in in a moment. And then it's always forever till the doctor's in. So you're sitting there pantsless. But I take my pants off and my underwear, you know, shoes, pants, underwear. And then I roll my underwear up in my pants. And then I stuff them all in the corner.
1: That's it's you, really
0: weird. It's, it's
1: really weird. Is it? You're not... It's just because you don't want them seeing your underwear.
0: Yes. But I never thought about it until I read This Just Mirror Everyone. I don't know why. It just seems somehow unseemly, even though they're seeing everything else. Well,
1: maybe it's 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 too casual. You know, underwear on the th- right. floor means that there's sex going on. Yes. And yeah. So, yeah. So maybe that's it.
0: Right. It's like I want them to think like I have I'm manners. Just- <laughs>
1: I just can't wait for this exam. I <laughs>
0: know. Okay, SKMJ says, "When I use the stairs or walk down the hall at home, I walk on the edges to wear the carpet evenly." Oh, I don't. I wear the carpet unevenly.
1: I, I yeah, that's 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 just you. Tom Kenny is so hyper. He wore out the f- rug at where the the phone cord end. Like he was like a dog running back and forth. And his parents had to put that plastic stuff that you put on stairs at the end of the – around the carpet because he would pace like a maniac.
0: I don't even think I'm ever on the phone long enough that I would – I mean, first of all, I wouldn't do that. But I, those are those were the days when you could be on the phone for a long time.
1: Or you could call someone. You call yeah. someone now, it's like, what's wrong?
0: <laughs> I know. What's up? You didn't send an email to set up this phone call. Yeah. Um, Kristen W. says – I tend to say this food is good or not good. Oh, I tend to say this food is good or not good, but some give a full-on critique. The croutons were not to my liking. Hashtag snobbery. Hashtag just me or everyone. Um, I'm trying to think. Is she saying when a waiter or server asks how was it or just in general she just says it was good or not good and someone else will give a full critique? I think I'm usually a good or not good kind of person.
1: Yeah, I think she's talking about Having a discussion with your friends at the table. Okay. Yeah. Because if you said anything specific to a waiter, that would be super dick move, right? Yeah, it would yeah. be. But you know how like uh, you, you look at your pets, your dog and your cats, and you just – you give them the same food every day and they're just as excited – that That's me and food. It really, it, you could give me the same meal every day and I'd be just as excited. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm the opposite of, of, of I you know, I, we all hate the word foodie, but I, I, yeah, I could be less of a, I just eat so I don't die. I think the 50 cigars a day may have ruined my taste buds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say, get this, that's me and food too. But then when you explained, it's actually not. For a second, I thought we were meant to be together. Um. I just find... (laughs) That was the deal breaker. Yeah. Well, because... Because when you went into like, you just eat to stay alive. Right. That's not my relationship with food. My relationship with food... food, I do, yes. Um, But I'll find... Well, I... Here's my thing. I like food, but I'm 100% always on a diet. I'm like almost all women, I think. Always not. It's like I'm never eating what I actually wish I were eating. It's always some regulated situation.
1: The best weight loss that I can recommend to you is tragedy. Yeah. It's the, really, the grief diet. I've, I've, I've kept it off. It's really great. <laughs> it's really, people tell me, you look so good. I go, yeah, tragedy. It's been really good.
0: Okay. Kristen W. also says, I'm so tired and excited to sleep or nap. Then Wait, sorry, let me back up. I'm so tired and excited to sleep or nap, then finally get home and, and in bed and can't freaking sleep. I have that all the time. Oh I I mean, not just that. I'll fall asleep on the couch, I'll be so tired that it'll like it's painful to drag myself into bed and then I get in bed and can't sleep. I pretty much just can't sleep in bed.
1: Is it your bed?
0: No, because our bed's comfortable. I think it's just insomnia. It's not always like that, but I tend to, like, I feel like I'm really hitting my sleep zone around the time that I wake up.
1: Are you spinning out? What do you, what keeps you up?
0: Well, my husband snores, so that's part of it. (laughs) But I even, even when I lived alone, I was also like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my brain is just kind of going overtime, and then in the morning that's when i start to get really get sleepy
1: do you uh doesn't they have those things that you can put on his nose and yes the up? breathe right strips does it they,
0: work no i mean i think he's breathing fine his snoring doesn't bother him <laughs> but i just happen to be a very light sleeper but do
1: you nudge him and then he stops snoring
0: i ask him to roll over onto his side um and then he will and then he'll stop for a little while and then inevitably he'll roll back onto his back and they do ha- I've read about things like tape a tennis ball to a t-shirt and you know so that the person won't roll back onto their back we haven't actually tried that yet but last <laughs> night I actually did something I <laughs> I I've never I have not gotten to the point where it's like the elbow in the back or anything right. like that like I've never you know done anything mean but I reshuffled in bed And I rolled over in a really forceful way on my own. I was like, like really thrashing around. And I'm not a bed thrasher. I'm someone who like oftentimes I'll wake up kind of in the same position that I fell asleep in because I had fallen asleep five minutes before. But um, yeah, I like violently reshuffled myself in bed.
1: Aggressively.
0: Aggressively. Uh Uh-oh. But it didn't. There's and trouble and in I paradise. sighed. I was like, "There's trouble in
1: paradise." I, I sighed got, and I I've, rolled around. I've got a shot. I, I, <laughs> well, I, do you snore? No, I actually. What comes out of me? It sounds like wind chimes. It's <laughs> delightful. <laughs> delightful.
0: Uh, it's is not looking good for snoring, Daniel. Um, okay, Ray Morgan says when I have a cool song stuck in my head, I feel good about myself. When it's a shitty song, it affects my self-esteem. Um, I don't have that, but it affects my mood for sure. Do you
1: have to listen to the song to exercise it from your brain? Or do you put another song on and then uh, and, and get that song out? Is that the Neither. mental sorbet?
0: I I know people. I remember the first time I heard a friend say, this song's been stuck in my head all day. I have to listen to it. I was like, yeah. that seems like... That's like steering into the skid. No. It's the opposite of what you do what it you and would, then
1: it's done. Really? Yeah.
0: So that's how you are.
1: Yeah. Like I I have to track it down and then listen to it and then just put something else on and it erases it.
0: I've never done that because I always just want to get rid of it. Maybe that'll work.
1: Except when it's like the menon theme. Menon.
0: <laughs> right. You know, you have I to go to the internet. Yeah, I guess you get it on the internet.
1: Yeah, menon.
0: I had a ringtone stuck in my head and not a cool ringtone like the one I have for sale. No, hey, I had the <laughs> Hey, go fuck yourself. Just a regular iPhone <laughs> yeah. ringtone stuck as, in my head. As a song? Just, it was just playing on a loop. I'll also get phrases stuck in my head. I'll get words or phrases, and I'm like, why does that keep, and there's no meaning to it. It's just very random, and I just it's feel like my like, brain is it's terrorizing it. Carpe me.
1: diem, it's, uh, if you lived here, you'd be home by now?
0: Honestly, I remember, I've never told anyone this because it's so, it's so mundane that it's almost makes me sound um crazy i think i had the phrase the fix is in stuck in my head <laughs> years ago <laughs> and i'm like why you been watching
1: is the sting was there a reason
0: i don't know it's something that i think i've heard my dad say
1: the fixes i in. don't know
0: in reference to what though i don't know had you made
1: a major decision in your life no hmm.
0: I don't know. I mean, obviously there must be some correlation, right, to why that was stuck in my head at a certain time, but I don't remember what it was. I just remember thinking I want this out of my head. It to me it represents a sort of like there's something sinister and sinister and masculine about the phrase.
1: The fix is in.
0: Now and now I feel even more weird that I just I'm like, yeah, I think my dad says it, and then I just said what I think it means. Let's move on. Yeah. Here's the thing that happens to me with songs stuck in my head though. I will have a song stuck in my head on and off for years. It'll be like my default setting. What and song is it? Uh it hasn't been in there in a long time, but Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Jefferson Starship. Sure. Was the year I mean years Oof. and years and years. And I told people that I worked with and they would try to um like terrorize me by singing We Built This City and I'm like, ah-ha-ha, wrong not song. Did- right, this is a theme song from Mannequin.
1: <laughs> was this um was this when you were in a band?
0: It started
1: before I was in a band. Wow. You would have thought that would have got rid of it.
0: Right. It's not like it was in there all the time. It and was just like in song? quiet moments. Not after this many years of it. I think I did at one point. I really uh, liked Mannequin.
1: Well, there you go.
0: But I think <laughs> what I've heard is
1: Mannequin Two or One. I like the first one. Right. Yeah, I like Andrew McCarthy ship. a lot. Yeah, you have some so,
0: competition. It's Andrew McCarthy. Okay. Oh, okay. But well, I met him in person. I did not feel sparks. Oh. So
1: see, he should have went with the candle talk. So <laughs> I, um, I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I guess the snowing reminded me of when we were making Call Me Lucky. We shot and it was twenty below, so we had long johns that covered our faces. They're just black ninja suits, and so i uh, I'm not going to say who, but a ninja would come into all the crew's room and 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 do do karate and somersaults and smash up the place while people were trying to sleep. So we were at Sundance, and my daughter wakes me up at, at like two a.m. She goes, "Dad, there's a ninja," <laughs> and I go, "But i <laughs> and I look up one of the crew guys is dressed in this outfit and I go, oh, like like I was like from a Mrs. Like a, some, some female character from a 60s sitcom, like, oh, <laughs> but I'm the ninja. <laughs> I thought I was telling her something on my deathbed. <laughs> Dad, there's a ninja. And they're standing over me. All right. I don't know why I told that story. That sounds scary. Yeah. Well, ninjas are a problem. That's why I want to find out what the next president's going to do about the ninja problem, (laughs) enough about the deficit or my immigration.
0: Kristen Marie says, "Just me or everyone need a grunt for yes option when Netflix asks if I'm still watching." (laughs) This speaks to the fact that oftentimes reaching over and getting the remote and then angling it right so it hits the whatever you're trying to address seems like way too hard a thing to do, even though it couldn't be the Easy, an easier right. thing to do. But is the
1: grunt like eh, or is it eh?
0: Could I have the options again, please? It's uh, uh All
1: right,
0: Oh, the 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 first one being kind of like eh.
1: I don't know. I might still be watching it. I watch you mind your own beeswax, right. Netflix.
0: And what? And the second one's just uh, I don't have it's, the energy. You're over. Yeah. Eh. I, I have a niece who for when she was very young if you would ask her like if her answer was yes she would just go "Uh," instead of yes i was like i respect that level of laziness and that meant yes yeah everyone knew Uh, that "Uh," meant uh, yes Uh." all right anyway i think she means the second type of grunt you're doing Mm. just in my interpretation of it is instead of having to you know hit yes just a
1: grunt jill Taley was taking her niece uh to this is an old story, but I love this one and it's dirty and or not dirty, but it's poo related. Um, to see Aladdin, and uh, it was these bathrooms with a vestibule, and she was probably like six, and so the, there was no doors. So she's waiting for outside the bathroom and she's going, I can show you a world <laughs> shining, shimmery. That's my that's my favorite. That's so cute. Uh, well, you know, I do work brown occasionally.
0: <laughs> uh, J- and lastly, James Leroy Wilson says, does anyone really believe one of Oscar Hammerstein's favorite things were raindrops on roses? <laughs> I had never thought about it, but no. Yeah. You don't even see raindrops on roses very often.
1: Yeah. I whiskers
0: think, on kittens, yes, though.
1: Whiskers on kittens. <laughs> I, I don't How do you feel about whiskers on kittens? I think, um, yeah, I think that was just he was trying to find something to rhyme.
0: Right. And what? Raindrops, raindrops and roses, on roses. Whiskers on kittens. Bright colored meadows and warm woolen mittens.
1: Yeah. When, Brown paper
0: packages tied up with strings. See, that one's yeah, not even exciting. There's nothing <laughs> not nothing less, good about that. Oh, I guess if you're receiving it.
1: Or if you, it was the end of seven. <laughs>
0: Which I haven't even seen, but oh, I know shoot. how. It, no, it's okay. okay. I Everyone know how it knows ends. That. All right. I, I it's what, been you still spoiled. It? Yeah. I don't think so because I have a very low, low. You don't horror like horror and gore I think tolerance. You know that
1: is one thing that we discuss. Call me Lucky a lot. It, it's not a bait and switch. There's no. Uh, it it deals with child abuse, and I want people to know that going in. I just structurally wanted people to to you know what i mean it's weird i'm doing press and people are going well you are know, spoiler alert. it's like what kind of creep do you think <laughs> i am you know like right that's a plot twist jesus christ what do you think's wrong with me
0: at any point did you consider not making it apparent up at the top
1: or or well i think you know there's a lot of folks that don't catch that that i'm i'm tonally setting it um so there are people that are kind of shocked at the the, the events that come down but you know i i i don't know. I I, I you know, I it's been such a heavy year. I really don't know what movie I'm going to do next. It really is going to be like a talking duck movie or something. <laughs> something that could be further from from something so serious.
0: I noticed you have is that a duck
1: or? Oh yeah, that's a, my duck Arnold when I was a kid. Uh, is it, it was a girl duck. Yeah, there's a it's uh, <laughs> I'm the illustrated man. There's a lot, but I'm going to get uh, speaking. Of, I'm going to get Liza Minnelli next. That is over here. I think that. And there's uh, Lepetamine. We're showing tattoos on the podcast right now.
0: That's okay. I'm totally enthralled.
1: um at the turn of the last century, was the highest paid entertainer in the world and he could fart music. And then I have Never Forget, you know, Joseph Bouchot. <laughs> but when I'm in New York, <laughs> I'll have my sleeves down and people go, Right on, man. Yeah, right on. And I'm like, No, it's about a guy who farts. It's- I'm what sorry. does
0: that now what does that mean to you telling yourself to never forget a guy a highest a guy. fart musician?
1: I just thought it was kind of funny to but never forget under joseph Pujols. but uh maybe this is my dream autobiography uh, <laughs> autobiopic you know maybe I'll do the the main story do you
0: know what your next project is going to be
1: no there's like there's like three that I'm kind of trying to figure out which one i'm going to do next mm-hmm.
0: will it do you know if it's going to be um fiction or oh yeah
1: definitely yeah i gotta go back into to narrative um i'm not saying i would never make another documentary but i'm i'm certainly not ready to do that
0: Mm -hmm. and my last question working on this movie with with the year being so tough um was it therapeutic were you numb did you find you had passion for the work or was it more like one foot in front of the other I'm doing that thing where I'm answering when you're was, very capable of answering. No,
1: I think, I think it was, um, it wasn't passionate. I, I as trite as it sounds, I would say to myself, I, I know Robin would want me to finish this movie. So that's what kept me going. And, um, and it was, a uh, uh, you know, it was a hell of a distraction to, to make this movie. I, what, again, like what I was saying is like, what I wasn't prepared for was what it would mean to people because I'm, I would say that I'm a, a a bit of a misanthrope. I mean, uh, I'm you know, I'm not a big hugger and uh uh you know, the byproduct of this movie is quite often people come up and they they're disclosing for the first time and they're adults and and they're usually it's they're usually guys and and uh, it's made me not be such a misanthrope. I'm actually like hugging strangers <laughs> that's a byproduct of the movie i'm like all right come here like i can see him now i can go here you go all right get get the hug. <laughs> bring yeah. it in yeah yeah
0: do you relate to barry crimen's um like championing innocence and wanting to protect people and and like what's your relationship with 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 innocence and vulnerability
1: i think the thing that 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 Barry and I have in common, I think, when we, both when we were little boys, we when we learned that the world wasn't what we had thought, we're, we're both still mad and trying to straighten it out. You know? When did you realize it wasn't what you thought? It was just you know, it was just everything. You know, when I learned that. Uh, there was no Santa Claus. I went to Catholic school when I learned that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. And that's that's how I met Tom Kenny because I asked this nun, I go, why do we celebrate if he wasn't born that day? And I finally made her snap and, and she started crying and dragged me out of his classroom, <laughs> first grade, and then Tom, threw me into Tom Kenny's class. And I, he's this little fat kid and this nun's crying and I'm crying. And, and he thought <laughs> I was so cool that I could make a nun cry that he introduced himself at lunch. <laughs> that was when we were six.
0: Yeah, I, re- I really related to that aspect of the movie, that being still disillusioned over yeah. the world not being what you at one point thought it was. And I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if everyone has that. For me, I think it's just I put too much stock in what people told me early on. Yeah. And and, and I'm still pissed and that you're I was mad. lied to, essentially. Yeah, yeah. no, I, it's like 100%. A cool
1: and I would say that that's what I have in common with Barry. Yeah.
0: Well, Bobcat Goldthwait, thank you so much for coming back on the show and talking about all this stuff um, and being so open.
1: All right. We'll see how uh, what, what your fans uh, make of, of our chemistry.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should let them decide. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think that's a really good idea. The, that'd be that's a way a to reinvigorate plan. your
0: career. <laughs> Um, you guys, if you're gonna buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of the website. Uh the aforementioned ringtone is available as well as a hot summer jam and
1: look in your eyes. <laughs>
0: No, 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 no. I don't want it back. I would like to think whatever was going on in my life then, I've moved past it. So that one doesn't have staying power anymore. I
1: think that's our song.
0: Well, now I have a good association with it again. No, what I was going to say before, though, is that what Daniel's theory, and I think he read, maybe read this, is that there are certain noises in your environment that just are are certain notes. And that will... with. And that's why all of a sudden you're like, that song's in my head again. Like maybe the creaking of something or the hum of some something or other was putting that song in my head. Or your producer playing it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Not. But anyway, you can get the, the the songs I'm talking about and the ringtone... The tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy, uh, by going touch to gumroad.com, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Alison Rosen. Again, gumroad.com slash Alison Rosen. You get the ringtone, the song, and then there's a song that Greg Heller made uh, for the Al Quiz. This is all stuff from the Thursday show, and that's available for a pay-what-you-want price. We also have bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. There's ninety i I'm going to be doing my podcast live at Bumbershoot all three days. Uh, that's up in Seattle over Labor Day weekend. Go to Bumbershoot.com for tickets and come out and see us. Follow me on Twitter at Alison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. Email us ARIYMBFshow at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you?
1: You can find me on social media at Colonel Jeff Fox. And there's a new episode of my podcast, Barracuda Radio, where I interview the director of the documentary about Pandit, the godfather of Exotica. Sure. And I also produce... The Dana Goldauer, Hour, which Allison not familiar is not familiar with or <laughs> no. hates, tune into all of these. Yeah. Thank you.
0: And Bobcat Goldthwaite, let them know where they should go to get the movie and this plug. Whatever you would like. Oh, to the plug. best
1: way to keep up with Grandpa is uh, on Instagram. I, I at Bobcat Goldthwait, um, and then uh, Twitter. I keep people abreast on the movie, and that's uh, BC Goldthwaite. There you go. Do you
0: remember when you liked one of my photos and I? circled it and uh, posted a photo of that I think so the roots of us are they go far back yeah, they at least go on back. Instagram alright thank you so much for being on the show <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what Daniel thinks of this well, that's the one who snores he yeah. <laughs> I feel
1: like I'm very confused
0: <laughs> thank you again for doing the show listeners thank you for listening I love you goodbye hey do you know about the Allison Rosen show